I found that the easiest way to connect with the youth or children was in the kitchen. You know, it's less stress. You don't have to look me right in the eyes. You don't have to think too much. It was so much safer for them, I think. So we would go in the kitchen and we would chop vegetables and make cookies or whatever we felt like doing. And I felt like it really gave them a place to talk to me and to let out some of their grief. And yeah, it was a really great experience. A good kitchen produces good food, but a great kitchen brings people together. Welcome to Meet Me in the Kitchen, a podcast inspired by Little Kitchen Academy, exploring the key ingredients to a meaningful life and how they are changing lives from scratch. Here's my dad and your host, Scott Rintoul. Hopefully, we've all had an incredible dining experience at some point in our lives. It doesn't matter if it was a Michelin star restaurant or a country pub you stumbled into after getting lost on the road. It's that intersection where good food meets great atmosphere and is accentuated by the people you're with. And that includes the people taking care of you. From the host to the server to the chef, I'm talking about everyone involved. Now, a lot of people talk about great service, but not as many have a passion for providing it. Stephanie Devlin does, and she's driven to help others get there. She's worked herself up the food chain in the restaurant industry to the point where she owns one herself, but her passion for children brought her to Little Kitchen Academy. Steph oversees support and compliance for all of the Little Kitchen Academy franchises, and she never has to look very far to find her motivation for making every LKA better, because she sees him every single day. Is it okay if I call you Steph or do you prefer Stephanie? No, I'm a Steph. Whenever somebody calls me Stephanie, I think I'm in trouble. So let's go with Steph. All right, Steph. Were you riding <laughs> around on your scooter today? And I'm wondering if that's your preferred method of transportation. It is by far my preferred method of transportation, but the frostbite right now is a little bit too extreme. So I opted for the car today. <laughs> Okay, so have you always been somebody who had wheels under your feet, or is this a new endeavor for you? How did you get hooked on the e-scooter? The e-scooter was Felicity and Brian's fault. I uh, went down to the office beginning of July or something like that and walked in and saw their two scooters there and was like, I'm going to get me one of those. <laughs> and I had one by the end of the day. <laughs> it's just such a great way to get around the city. I live in Olympic Village, which is like right on the seawall. And the office and the restaurant that I own are on the other end of the seawall. So I can take my scooter from my front door right to work. And it's like a minute longer than it would be to drive. So <laughs> pretty awesome. Outside of the frost and the slippery surfaces that you would encounter on a day like that, are you a fair weather scooter rider or does it matter? Rain, shine, who cares? I'm going. No, I, I'm a fair weather scooterer. Yeah, like I'll wear the gloves if it's like a really nice day out. A day like today, like a crisp, sunny day, I might do it with like a parka and some gloves, but I would call myself a fair weather scooter. <laughs> All right, let's move on to some of the work. And you just alluded to it a minute ago. You own a restaurant. I introduced your titles that you have with Little Kitchen Academy. Let's just start with the basic. How long have you worked in the food industry, Steph? So I've worked in the food industry since I was 15. My first job was as a hostess at Brown's Social House, which is where I currently own a restaurant. 
So yeah, I started at 15 and I really slowly worked my way up to a server, to a bartender, to assistant manager, general manager. And then in 2017, I bought out one of the partners in the Point Grey location. And actually this last August, bought out the remaining shares. So now I own the whole restaurant. (laughs) That's an incredible climb up the ladder. And that probably resonates with a lot of people listening, at least the hostess, server, working your way up a little bit, but most people ceiling out in the restaurant industry and they transition to something else. They don't take those next steps. What was so appealing about the restaurant business in particular to you, Steph? I really loved the franchise model and being able to have a really good basis of how to run the restaurant and the operations and who to hire and a menu. I'd never made a menu. So all of those things were really appealing to me. And then being able to make it my own as well was just such an awesome experience and such an awesome thing to be able to do. A lot of people burn out in the restaurant industry because they can be long days, they can be taxing. Some people don't like the constant customer interaction after a number of years of that wearing on them. Why does that fuel you? I love the customers. The customers are the reason that I stay. Yeah, the hours can be really long. It can be really hard. I mean, COVID was treacherous for the restaurant industry, but it's really those guests coming in and cheering you on and loving what you do that just really kept me going. We have the best regulars at my location. It's very neighborhood-based and it's just easy. You walk in, you talk to the guests, they pump you up and you're like, that's why I'm here. (laughs) I think from a customer standpoint, Steph, a lot of us know what that looks like. We know what a great dining experience feels like and having that memorable meal. But often people only speak up when something goes wrong. And I'm sure you know this as well as anybody. So on the other side of that, what is a compliment that resonates with you? What means the most to you when you get positive feedback? What do you like to hear? I like to hear that my staff is great. That's probably the most important thing that I hear from a guest because the food is really important but the people serving it really bring personality and excitement to the room. And I just really think that you can get good food lots of places, but you can't always get good service. And the personality and the connection that some of my servers and bartenders and managers have, I think is really what sets us apart. There are a lot of people who love that same aspect of the service industry. And as I mentioned, they sometimes ceiling out, but Even the ones who make it as far as, say, general manager, they don't necessarily want to take that next step to ownership because it's one thing to run a team, but you don't have the liability when you're a general manager that you do when you're an owner. And that's a big hurdle for a lot of people. What got you past that hurdle and some of the other hurdles, Steph, that most people balk at and they say, I'm not going to do it, but you decided to take the plunge? Yeah, you know, I was really young. I was 27 and it was my first business transaction and it was a pretty big one. (laughs) And I feel like I didn't have the fear yet. Whereas like now I do. Like every time a new restaurant comes up or a new business opportunity, I think so hard about it. But when this opportunity came up and I I just felt so ready and it just felt so natural just to do it and like roll with the punches of it. And I mean, it worked out, but (laughs) I feel like I don't have a great answer to that one, except for that it just felt so natural and it felt so right. Well, it's interesting the way you describe it. One of our recent guests, Yuri Fulmer, started the same way by choosing to purchase the restaurant that he was working in. His happened to be in A&W. He was also in his 20s. He didn't know much about business, but he knew A&W and somebody said, you should do it. 
He said that youth is actually an advantage in that situation because you probably don't have as much to lose as people that are on a little later in their lives. Did you find the exact same thing when you were going through the process? Yeah, for sure. Like all I had under my name was a car at that point. And it was a sad scenario when it happened, but we did get the money from a inheritance. The banks all laughed at me. Like I walked into every bank, asked for a loan. No, 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 absolutely not. And so I didn't think anything was going to happen. And then we had this money kind of come up and my husband and I just decided like, let's do it. Let's put it all. And it just felt like I don't have a ton to lose. All this can really do for me is gain a lot of experience and hopefully money. Hopefully this all works out and I put everything into it. I was 27 and just newly married. I didn't have any kids. So I was able to just run the restaurant five to seven days a week as much as I was needed. And I couldn't do it now. So I'm really glad that I did it when I was 27. Now I've got a toddler and a home and a lot going on. So being young was definitely beneficial to me at the time. I want to come back to a couple of things you mentioned in that answer, but this seems like a good time to ask why you would take on Little Kitchen Academy as well, because you have so much going on in your life. How did Little Kitchen first come into your life, Steph? So Brian and Felicity were regulars of mine at Brown's at my restaurant, and we became pretty close. They came in a few times a week, and my favorite part about restaurants is the guests. So I always would see them come in the door and try and be the one that got to take them to their table and try and connect with them, see what was going on in their lives. And Felicity and I especially became really close and ended up <laughs> going for a brunch one day, which turned into happy hour, which turned a little late night. And <laughs> we uh, ended up going back to her place and she started to talk to me about Little Kitchen and what seemed at the time kind of like a pipe dream, just like what she wanted and how she thought she might do it. And it was just everything I could have wanted in a career or a job. Everything she said was just what I did or what I wanted. It was putting business and children, maybe children at risk, and food together, which is everything I love. And so we talked about it for a long time. And eventually, when our day finally ended, I thought, I'll be involved somehow. And at the time, I didn't really know what that meant, but it didn't really feel like it was going to be a choice. I felt like I was just going to fall into a place at some point. And then I'd say like maybe two years later or a year and a half later, it was brought up that it was going to be the first round of funding for Little Kitchen Academy. And I jumped at that opportunity. Finally, after having a successful business, the bank gave me some money and I invested it in the first round of the funding. And then kind of was like, okay, that must have been what I'm going to do for Little Kitchen, you know? Went back to working at the restaurant, had my son, who's now three, and about eight months ago, I decided like, you know what, I could really take something else on because I've got a great general manager in the restaurant and I'm not really needing to be there full time anymore. So I'm going to reach out to Felicity and see what she says. <laughs> and Felicity and I went for a coffee and I kind of pitched her with the idea of doing compliance for her and, you know, dealing with the franchise model a little bit and keeping people in line with their specs of the business and that kind of thing. And she just kind of looked at me with these kind of like, what eyes and was like, this is exactly what we were looking for. So it just all really, really fell into place. And it just feels like a place I've been supposed to work forever. So it just feels really, really great. <laughs> and I don't mean to interject, and please correct me if any of this information is wrong, but in between that first round of funding and you taking the job as head of compliance that you're in right now, 
you were actually destined at one point to be a franchisee in the LKA system. I was. What happened there? Yeah. So we were, my business partner and I were pretty far along in the process and then COVID hit and it was prior to me buying out the whole restaurant and the restaurant closed and we were takeout only and our funds went down by 75% and it basically just stole the option away from us for buying a franchise, which was very unfortunate and sad at the time. But I also feel like it's brought me into this role, this compliance role, which I actually think is better for me. And I think it's more beneficial to the company. So I'm actually happy about how things played out. Not to say that I won't get a franchise at some point. (laughs) And you very well may, because anything you put your mind to, from what I can see, you certainly go and accomplish. Just before we continue on with your current role and, and how the two blend, You mentioned the pandemic a couple of times and the impact that COVID had on the restaurant business. Forget about the social aspect for a second. We could talk about that forever in terms of pandemic impact. What do you think the pandemic taught you as a business person? It sort of taught me that that it can get taken away, (laughs) that you really take things for granted when a business is doing well. Like my restaurant was sort of topping the franchise system and it was just doing great and running really easily and cash flowing. And then COVID hit and it went from, I don't know the exact amounts, but it went from doing about 20% EBITDA to doing 3%. So it basically turned my life upside down and was, yeah, it was just really, really tough to see how fast it can change. And at the beginning, I was devastated about it It was, you know, kind of like, how am I going to pull out of this? Like, how is it going to be? How are we going to be okay? Like, what's what's going to happen with my family? But it also slowed me down. I went from working pretty much every day to being at home and being with my son for two years at home instead of being with him for six months, which was my initial plan. And I actually think in the end, it was really great for me. It, it really made it so that I thought more about family and a little bit less about money and business. And it also really made me think about my staff and how hard this was on them and really working with them in whatever way was possible to keep their jobs or help them with getting onto EI and whatever I really could to make it easier on everybody. So it was really hard at the beginning, but I really think in the end, it was great. What pulled you through during those dark times? My family. Yeah. My husband, my son. My son was born in December of 2019. So he was about four months old when COVID hit. And it really just made me realize that that's what it's all about. It's really about family and money is great. And, you know, a successful business is great. But without family and without my health and my family's health, nothing else mattered. I think a lot of people would agree with those sentiments, myself included. So fast forward, here we are, and you're juggling a number of different things. You're still owning a restaurant. You've got a great team in place, as you mentioned earlier. Now you're part of what appears to be an excellent team at Little Kitchen Academy as well. So you understand compliance and support from a franchisee perspective on the Brown side. In your experience, what does it mean to be a franchisee? Well, it means taking a successful business plan and putting it into action yourself. And it's usually tried, tested, and true from a franchise perspective. So they've usually put in so much time to make time and money and experience into what they 
have built. And now all you really have to do is take it back and use those exact tools to run your own business, but with your own flair, which I think is the most important and exciting part about owning a franchise is you don't have to think about all the really, really tough things. You just have to use the tools and your own expertise and your own natural like flair for what you're doing to make it exciting and your own. And just to clarify, we're talking about flair as in passion, not flares in buttons and pins and lights. Whatever makes you flare. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen this from the franchisee perspective on the Brown side. Now you see it from the franchise or perspective on the LKA side. What differences do you see in the way that the LKA franchise operates compared to how the franchise system you've been in operates? Well, the franchise that I've been in with Browns, I love Browns. I've had, you know, great success and I I love the team at our corporate office and everything. But with Little Kitchen Academy, I just think it's a lot more family oriented. It's a close knit team and Brian and Felicity really only bring on partners that they believe in and that they are really close with. So I think that's the difference. You mentioned the word family and that's how Brian and Felicity always refer to it. The Little Kitchen Academy family. I don't work in the office. I don't work with the team, but I get the sense from everybody I've talked to that you pick up on that right away, that you feel as though you are part of it right away. Has that been your experience? For sure. Yeah. So I started in February and I started during one of our, what we call Little Kitchen Academy University, our trainings for the franchise partners, basically. And I walked in on day one of LKAU early. So it was just the corporate team. And I was so nervous. I was just like, I don't know any of these people except for Brian and Felicity. And I just walked in and immediately felt like part of the team, part of the family, just the most welcoming, kind people you'll ever meet. So now in your current role, when you go visit locations, whether it's an opening or an existing franchise, what do you want to leave having accomplished? What do you want that franchisee to get from you? I want to answer any questions that they have. I just want their business to be successful, really. So what I do is I walk in the door and I check everything from the front door to the back door, the entire observation of the class experience. And I have a list of 122 sort of points that I check while I'm in there. And by going through them, I'm not trying to tell them they're doing anything wrong. I'm really just trying to tell them that by doing this, you're going to see this result. And we've tried everything at our corporate locations. And these are the things that we've deemed the most important in having your business be successful and your students leave with an amazing experience. So really, I'm just there to make the students have the best experience possible. So I'm wondering how owning a franchise has helped you in your current role at LKA and conversely, how now being someone who's in charge of compliance, albeit for a different franchise, how that's helped you as an owner in your franchise relationship in Browns? Oh, I think it's the reason that I'm doing it, really. I was always a believer in the audits and visits from head office. A lot of the franchisees in Browns hated them, you know, would be so frustrated, like, oh, there they are again, you know, okay. Whereas I was always kind of like, oh, sweet, okay, we're getting our audit, we're going to see how we can do better. Like, what can they tell us this time that maybe could raise our revenue or make our guests have a better experience. And so when this idea came up, it just felt like the right thing to do. I felt like I was going to be able to really help and bring some of the experiences that I had had through Browns of my corporate head office coming in and 
things that they said and ways that they would communicate things that worked or didn't work, which is a big thing. A lot of it's in the communication of what you're needing to change or what you think that they could do better to make their experiences better as a whole. Were you an athlete by any chance growing up? Did you play sports? I was a gymnast. See, I wondered only because athletes often get their performance and their practice broken down and critiqued and evaluated, and they get tangible measures to take back in order to improve. And that way of thinking reminds me of what you're describing right now. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's all about the tangible item. Like what exactly can you do and how can you communicate it in a way where it's really understandable and you can see the future of it? I don't know if that makes sense, but... No, it completely makes sense. It absolutely does. But it also means that as the receiver of that critique and information, your mindset has to be, okay, how can this make me better? I want information that can make me better. And then I go and attempt to apply that. And as long as someone's delivering that in a very respectful manner, that's what I'm looking for. Totally. Yeah. And that's why we have these questions in our audits for the locations. One of the questions, for example, is we're all safety steps hit during tool safety, for example. And that's not necessarily only about the safety of the child. It's more about, did we teach them everything? Did they get to learn the 12 steps to knife safety that they can take out of the little kitchen academy back to their own home and show their younger sibling or their friend? And I mean, a lot of it, of course, is to do with, are they safe? But there's so much more to it. So I want to compare and contrast experiences with you now. I have friends who are actors and for them, movies have been ruined to a certain extent, not all, but some because they see the formula behind it and they figure things out a little too quickly. And so that fan that they originally grew up with, that's been killed a little bit. I'm wondering for you as someone who owns a restaurant, who wants to deliver a first rate experience, what does a great experience for you as a customer look like at a restaurant? Oh yeah. I'm harsh at a restaurant. It's for sure. Yeah. My husband doesn't love going out for dinner with me. (laughs) Yeah. Like I notice everything from the second that I walk in the door to paying the bill to the parking lot when I'm leaving. Sometimes it's a little bit annoying. Sometimes I'm like, oh my God, stop looking at the light that's out. It's not a big deal. Or (laughs) like, it's okay that she, you know, didn't give us the bill within three minutes of me asking for it it's okay. I I have more time. So yeah, sometimes it's a little bit unfortunate to have all of this experience because it does make just enjoying the dining experience a little bit harder. (laughs) I'll bet on the flip side of that though, when you do get that positive experience, that one that's memorable, you are probably that outspoken, I will contact your manager. I'll make sure that everybody knows how great this was type of people. Totally. I always will give the positive experience what it deserves because it's rare. You know, there's a lot of good experiences, but the amazing experience is rare. And I think it's so important to always pass that on and make sure that the people delivering that experience really get to hear that reinforcement that like, hey, what you're really doing and all this time and effort you're putting into it is it's really worth it and it's paying off. And that's the same with that little kitchen when we go into these locations and do these audits. When they're great, the praise that they get is amazing. You know, like I love a good audit. It's the best. (laughs) You leave the location, you get to tell them like, hey, that was beautiful. I'm so proud of you. That was 
amazing. I wish I could have filmed it, you know, all those kind of things. And, and they love it. You can see their smile just go up to their ears and yeah, it's beautiful to watch. Okay. So on the other side of that, while you've never been a student or an instructor at Little Kitchen Academy, you are a mom. So what's that feeling that you want a child to leave Little Kitchen Academy with? There's so many. There's so many things that I want the children to leave with. Really, the main thing that I want them to leave with is a feeling of safety and excitement. My son's three. He just turned three. And he's going to get to go to Little Kitchen. I think he's going in like a week and a half. I'm so excited. And I just want him to come home and say like the instructors were so caring and it was such a warm environment. Not that he knows that word, but that kind of feeling of like it's a safe place to go. And I also now want to bring this new recipe home and try it with me because I see that all the time. Every time I'm in a location, pretty much, I see this like shy child at the front door that comes in and doesn't want to be there, wants to stay with their mom. And a few minutes later, the instructors that are just the most caring people you've ever met just turn that experience around for them. And it's just such a cool thing to see. I've worked in so many places with children, so many daycares, and it's not every teacher that you see. It's not every ECE worker that has that kind of skill to be able to really turn around that kind of feeling. And I really think that we've got some instructors that can do it with any child. It's so nice to see. The way you describe it, I wonder how unique or special you feel to be able to witness it because very few adults get to go into that environment and see that stuff. Yeah, I do. I do. Every time I go into one of the locations, I think I'm so glad as a parent that I get to see this because <laughs> it is hard to it's hard to explain to a parent how amazing it is in there. But that's part of the beauty of it, too, is it's not for the parent. It's for the child. And having a parent in there would change the atmosphere. I have a very timid child. He's a stage five clinger. We call him stage five a lot of the time. And I know he's going to have a really tough time the first time I drop him off, but I know that Alini at Point Grey, who's the director there, is going to take him under her wing and he's going to be fine. So it's such an important thing to know. And I wish that there was a way for me to tell all the parents that like, they're in good hands, you know? <laughs> Wedding Crasher references are always appreciated on this <laughs> podcast. I can tell you right now. Good. While we're still talking about your family and you've talked about your son and your husband, I'm wondering how your family has altered the way that you view the food industry and in particular, Little Kitchen Academy's role within the entire ecosystem of the food industry. I just think that this is such an important part of growing up is teaching these kind of skills to children. Like I remember growing up and I had the best family, had a great upbringing, but it was a lot of, you know, craft dinner and potatoes and not a lot of interesting foods, a lot of meat, a lot of, you know, just plain stuff. And something that's so important to me is that my son gets just the experience of lots of different flavors and different foods from around the world. Like we have curries on the Little Kitchen Academy recipes. It's not just muffins. It's not just cookies. You're teaching them about so many different flavors. They get to taste everything throughout the class, whether it be baking soda or nutmeg, you know, and you get to see their little face as they taste something strange like nutmeg or the sugar comes along or the, <laughs> you know, the agave and they're like, oh, I know this one. But it just really is important for growth and development to be able to experience different kinds of foods and take that into your real life. 
This seems like the perfect time to ask you the question that every single person who comes on this podcast gets asked, Steph. So what is the one ingredient that is always in your kitchen and why? My ingredient is curiosity. I feel so strongly about that one. I know it's the right ingredient for me. My reason is mostly for the 17th time that I talked about him, my son. He started out as a very picky eater. He didn't really like to eat anything except for chicken strips and crackers and bananas, you know. And as he grew, I knew like I really need to push this and I really want him to experience more. And so I started really bringing him into the kitchen with me. And this is when I really got interested in Little Kitchen more. And when I ended up re-talking to Felicity is because I brought Wyatt into the kitchen and he stood at the end of my counter and was just amazed with what was going on in there. And I really didn't expect it, to be honest. I didn't expect him to be asking all these questions. And like he one time asked me the difference between a cucumber and a zucchini. And I was like, I don't really know exactly what the difference is, but (laughs) you know, like I was kind of like, what a great question. I'm going to look this up, you know? And like, I just realized how much curiosity he had and how much I could use that to my advantage. And I would bring in things like massive squashes and show him the huge, like, you know, arm length squash and see what he thought about that. And then we would cut it up and put it in the oven and he always tried it because he was so invested in the process. And sometimes he didn't like it, of course, but it's not really about that for me. It's more about the experience and having him put it in his mouth. Great. It got there, (laughs) whether or not it's lasting moment, but the curiosity of food and what it can do and how it can bring people together has been really important to me. It's very obvious how just the mention of your son makes you light up, but also children in general throughout the course of this conversation. Anytime you're talking about kids, I can see how much you care about children. One of the other really interesting parts of your resume is that you have a diploma in youth justice as well. Steph, what compelled you to educate yourself further on that particular subject? So I worked in summer camps. That was one of my first one of my first jobs. So I was a host. And then in the summers, I would go and work at a summer camp. And I realized one year I had this girl in my cabin who had a really hard upbringing. And she ended up disclosing some stuff to me that was really, you know, life changing for her. And it was so important to me. And I, I wanted to do like everything I could for her. And I realized like, maybe this is important to me. Like, maybe this is what I do after high school. So I applied for the Youth Justice Diploma at Douglas College, and I loved it so much. It was mostly working in youth homeless shelters. That was the main thing that I did. So after I finished school, that was my initial thought was, okay, I'm going to go work at one of these youth homeless shelters. And I just loved it. I just loved sitting with the youth and talking about their experiences and trying to help them through them and give them resources. And one thing that I really did and took to heart was teaching them to cook. You know, it all comes full circle. But I found that the easiest way to connect with the youth or children was in the kitchen. You know, it's less stress. You don't have to look me right in the eyes. You don't have to think too much. It was so much safer for them, I think. So we would go in the kitchen and we would chop vegetables and make cookies or whatever we felt like doing. And I felt like it really gave them a place to talk to me and to let out some of their grief. And yeah, it was a really great experience. It's interesting because when we think of Little Kitchen Academy, we think generally of children that are your son's age or my daughter's age is they're both single digit in terms of their age right now. But what you're talking about is working with 
adolescents and working with youth that are a little bit older. What effect did you see that kitchen experience and learning how to cook have on the youth that you were working with? I think it was massive. When I first started doing it, I sort of brought the idea to my manager at the homeless shelter and said, like, I kind of want to start running this program of teaching them to cook instead of going for a walk. That was the main thing was go for a walk with the youth and they'll talk to you. So my manager gave me the go ahead and it was huge. I, I was able to not only teach them stuff about food and recipes that for them to use before they aged out of the programs. But the most important thing was giving them an outlet. And I felt like the food really gave them that sort of distraction to be able to release some of their emotions and some of their thoughts to someone who really did care. And one of the most important things was that a lot of these youth are aging out. You know, they're 17 and they age out at 18 and then they don't have any more services or they're different services. So giving them some simple recipes that they can take five ingredients from their pantry and make an actual meal, I think was incredibly important. Well, and for anybody who's looking to connect with youth that are struggling or anyone for that matter, who's having a challenge, it's a simple reminder that there's common ground. We all have to eat and hopefully we all get to and we find common ground there. And as I tie that back to Little Kitchen Academy, it's part of the program that I love and I imagine you do as well, Steph, the charitable component. The fact that children within these classes are being asked to be mindful of those who are less fortunate than they are. 100%. Yeah. The How Can I Help program that we do is such a beautiful thing for us to be teaching to children as young as three years old. One of them is the food banking network. And that's something that I think anybody can understand. And I've talked to my son about it. And he was like really blown away that some people don't get to eat. And I think that's the case for some children as young as three. You know, he lives in a nice house. He's always got a full fridge full of food. He gets a full lunch every day at school. And not everybody does. And I think it's so important to teach that really young and have our young children in this world understand that there's something they can do. It teaches them on so many levels. There's the gratitude part of being thankful for what you have, but also that you need to step out of your comfort to help somebody else because you never know who you might know that might be in that situation. And God forbid you find yourself there, but it's nice to know that there are people who are willing to do that. Totally. I think the students get a lot out of it. And, you know, we live in Vancouver where there is a very high homeless population. And it's beautiful to see really young people, you know, walking around Vancouver. My son is my only example really of doing this, but he'll ask me questions like, is he hungry? I'm like, he probably is. Should we get him something? And I think that's something that's he'll take so far. Maybe it's just a tiny thing in, in my day, but starting them young and giving them that information, I think it's going to be really important for the future. And not much makes you more proud as a parent than when you see your own child trying to do something for someone else. I certainly can speak from experience and it sounds like you feel the same. Totally. For sure. Yeah. Well, you and I were both very fortunate to have homes and I know you've made yourself a part of the home and feel that Little Kitchen Academy is a home there. They're very lucky to have you. They speak so highly of you. And after this conversation, I at least have an understanding of why that is, Steph. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. Meet Me in the Kitchen is curated and produced by Toolkit Content. 
You can find more information about Little Kitchen Academy, including classes, locations, employment, and franchise opportunities at littlekitchenacademy.com. What's the one ingredient that's always in your kitchen? 